Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 349 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing well, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Uh, we're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here at the Echo Arena in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. It happened last Friday, June 17th, live on Channel 5, Terrestrial TV. Um, let's talk about the undercard briefly. Friend of the show, Josh Kelly, back with a bang. A TKO win in round four against Peter Kramer, who was cut. Uh, sorry, Kelly was cut, actually, on, on his left eye in round two. Um, but yeah, Josh Kelly now 11-1 and one with a draw. Successful comeback there after losing last time out, I believe it was, to David Avanesian. And the top of the bill, Nathan Gorman, 19-1, and one, a TKO in the first round against Thomas Salek. The writing was on the, rule, on the, on the wall, I should say, pretty much straight away. Uh, Salek now 17-4. and four. We knew what was going to happen there. It was always going to be an early knockout. Great to see Nathan Gorman look good like that. While Tyson Fury was sat ringside, a good friend of Gorman's, I'm not sure if they're related, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, it was for the vacant IBF international heavyweight title. Salek down twice prior to the stoppage. Very nice and easy there for Gorman. Moving out now to the Bayou Event Center in Houston, Texas, USA. Over here, friend of the show, Melissa Odessa Parker, now 6-0. and A successful defense there for her. Um, it was a defense of her IBO world female bantamweight title. She was able to beat the previously undefeated 5-0, now 5-1, McKenna Tansley. So a unanimous decision there over 10 two-minute rounds. 8-2 on one card, 6-4 on another, and I can't remember the other card. Uh, it was kind of cool, though, because uh, we had three... Uh, sorry, two female judges, if I'm not mistaken, um, just one male, and the referee, I believe, was a male as well. But kind of cool to see two female judges there in a in a you know decent level female fight between two undefeated females that were both five and zero. Oh. Moving out now to the Leeds United FC Centenary Pavilion in Leeds, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. It wasn't televised, unfortunately, but let's go over the card. Friend of the show, O'Hara Davies, now 23, uh, sorry, 24 and two. He was able to beat um, Abdesamad Nekchad. Never heard of this guy. It was a late addition to the card. Um, he is now uh, 13 and 3 with a draw. But O'Hara Davies, 24 and 2. Um, a TKO in round 8 there. And his opponent was down in the 7th round and again in the 8th prior to that stoppage there. Uh, also on the card, friend of the show, Archie Sharp, with a points win over 10 rounds against Alex Ratt, who's now 14 and 5 with 2 draws. Archie Sharp now 22 and 0. Um, he won very wide on the cards in the end. I think. Um, eight to two and nine to one, pretty much. Um, so yeah, he's sitting comfortably in that number one spot at the uh, 
at the uh, or in the WBO Super Featherweight World Rankings. He's going to soon be mandatory for um, for Shakur Stevenson. So yeah, he's sitting there quite comfortably. And Jack Bateson top the uh, top the bill. He's now 17 and oh, a unanimous decision there over 10 rounds against Diego Ruiz, who's now 23 and five with a draw. It was for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Super Bantamweight title. Good win there for Jack Bateson. Um, Moving out now to the Madison Square Garden Theatre in New York, USA. This one over here. Let's just briefly touch on the undercard. It's the final uh, card to mention. So we're flying through this review bit. Wendy Toussaint on the undercard with a win. Um, he's now 14-1. and one, A unanimous decision over eight rounds against the UK's Asinia Byfield, who's now 15-5 and five with, a, with a draw. A little bit of a uh, road warrior now. Seems like he always ends up in the away corner and he's been racking up losses recently, which is a shame because I think he was a talented fighter at one stage. And Abraham Nova now 21 and 1. He lost his O. He was KO'd in round 5 against Rabisi Ramirez, who's now 10 and 1, and is quickly becoming probably the most exciting Cuban fighter at the moment. I know there's going to be some people that might argue. I think there's a couple guys coming through, but right now he seems to be the guy. He's been impressing every time. Um, like I say, a KO in round 5 for the vacant USBA featherweight title and the vacant WBO global featherweight title. But all eyes now to the main event. Arta Baturbiev now. 18 and 0 still has that 100% knockout uh, percentage intact. Another knockout this time in round two against Joe Smith Jr., who's now 28 and 4. Friend of the show, Joe Smith, very devastated for him to be honest with you. Um, it was for the WBC, IBF, and WBO lightweight, uh, light heavyweight world titles, I should say. Um, yeah, sad to see Joe Smith lose. He's a very, very nice guy. We all really like Joe Smith. Um, first round, I felt, was a really explosive start from both guys. I think Joe Smith wanted to make a dent early, and both guys were throwing big shots. Nothing necessarily landed uh, big, but big shots were thrown. And then, of course, the last shot of the round, down goes Smith. He wasn't badly hurt, I didn't think. There wasn't too much in the shot, but he lost... The round 10-8, so it was a bit of a nightmare start. And then, of course, that forced Smith to have to really bring the heat in round two, which kind of worked against him, I guess. He was down three times in the round. Baturbiev was throwing every punch in the book. Um, he was landing horrific uppercuts. It was starting to get very dangerous, and the referee, for me, did the right thing because he stopped the fight while Joe was still on his feet and had just taken a right uppercut a right uppercut followed by a left uppercut, which you can imagine that combination landing. Boom, boom. That's not a pretty sight for the man on the receiving end. Um, yeah, so Baturbiev's in the end, I guess, went through Smith like, as we would say, a hot knife through butter. He destroyed him. Uh, but I think credit to Joe Smith for having a go and gambling and going out on his shield. And what a way to lose in some respect, I guess. I hope he's in good spirits. But yeah, he certainly came to have a go. I don't think he fancied maybe being outboxed and and gradually beaten down. I think he just thought, no, I'm going to fight fire with fire. I believe in my power in both hands. And let's just go for it. And, you know, I put some money on this fight to not go the distance. For me, that was like printing money. And yeah, that of course happened. I just didn't expect it this early. Because for Baturbiev now, I think... 
that is the earliest knockout he's recorded in quite some time. I mean, as I touched on last week, his his three prior fights to this were knockouts in round 9, 10, and 10. And the last time he was able to secure a knockout as early as the second round um, was when he scored a first round knockout. And that was almost, well, just over five and a half years ago. Um, Eddie, you took yourself off mute. Yeah, yeah, I was just saying, I watched it too. Yeah, and, go on, go uh, yeah, yeah, he's, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, when you're watching a build up and you're thinking about the fight, uh, you know, I was even, I even told my wife, I was like, man, you might want to watch this fight. And she's not the biggest boxing fan in the world, you know what I mean? But I'm figuring that you might want to actually see this because this, this has like fight of the year type thing written all, written all over it. Especially when I found out that Joe Smith has never been down. I didn't even know that. So I'm thinking that possibly he may have the chin enough to make this an interesting fight, at least for a while. And I think Joe Smith had the right idea in what he was planning and how you know, going to try to be aggressive, try to get him going backwards, try to get him in an uncomfortable situation where he's he's a big power puncher himself. So I figure you'll get him on a back foot, maybe be able to take some of the steam out of him, maybe maybe put him in a position where you know he's he, he sees the wall caving in on him. But when I don't, but I don't think that I think he underestimated his boxing ability and his and his his you know his background, you know his amateur background, just complete understanding of what to do in range and and how to box in general and how to land clean shots when guys are, you know, putting themselves out there, themselves out there a little bit too much. And, you know, as you said, Joe, you know, I think the plan backfired on him pretty heavy. And it was just because I think, you know, Joe Smith was, you know, being a little extra aggressive. He was, he would miss shots, but miss shots long. You understand what I'm saying? And, and better be, it was just, okay. You know, I'll let that, that left jab or long left hand or even a short or even a long left hook come out and just counter you over the top. And that was what a lot of the, a lot of the time happened to. And it was just, it's just, it's just kind of unfortunate because he got caught with good, clean shots. It wasn't so much like he was just getting battered around the ring. It was, he was getting caught clean with sharp shots right after a shot he threw. You understand? So he most likely didn't see him. And then you already know better be was a hell of a puncher. So it was just, it was just like, like you said, a nightmare start early in the first round, getting caught with that shot. But on top of that, just getting caught clean too many times from a from very dangerous punches, probably biggest punches in boxing. Uh, it's unfortunate for Joe Smith. He's a good fighter, uh, you know, blue collar guy, guy that everybody can get behind and really like. It's really unfortunate to see it happen to him, but better be just a better guy, a better fighter. Most people knew he was a better fighter, but. He proved it uh, by by a lot this and this one, and you know, you know, you think about Bivol and how great Bivol did with Canelo. Hard to imagine they ever stand up under what Better Bev is gonna bring. It would be an interesting fight to see, but Better Bev's tough, man. Yeah, I I understand what you said there, Eddie. There's a few little connection issues, but I think uh, myself and the listeners got what you were saying. Um, yeah, I mean. A lot of people are kind of basing, and I don't, I don't want to go in this area, but a lot of people are, are basing this win uh, over over Joe Smith as some kind of, uh, I guess, crowning of being the best light heavy in the world. And I think, for me, uh, it's a toss up, of course, between Baturbiev and Bivol, but I don't think this win over Joe Smith makes him. Oh yeah, he's undoubtedly 
you know, better than Bivol. And, you know, you touched on it just briefly there. Of course, it's it's the fight that we do all want to see at some point between the two Russians, you know, that dominate at, at light heavy. Um, but yeah, I just can't wait to see that fight. And I saw people getting really ahead of themselves, um, saying things like, you know, uh, he would have obliterated Canelo. I don't think, again, we can... We can watch that fight on the weekend and uh, know that for sure and also people are saying that Baturbiev would have beaten Andre Ward you know people are going a little bit crazy with all of that oh Eddie you're jumping back in you can say something I just hope the connection's not too bad go on oh I'm sorry about that but you know what it is man it's just like so you know obviously I watched it and and and, and listened to what you were saying about how you know guys want to jump in and oh you know he, he did he did this he did that with Joe Smith now we got to remember Joe Smith Though he's a really good fighter, he's not really, I'm not going to say he's not in the same class. He's just a different kind of fighter. So we're talking about styles now. You know what I mean? So when you're just going to say that, oh, better be able to jump in and he'll smash Canelo. Oh, he'll beat Andre Ward. He would do this to this guy. He would kill this guy. And it's like, well, you can't say that because the styles matchups are different. Their chins may be slightly different. Their abilities, their talents, their strengths, all of it, they're different. So he has to approach the fight different. Would you say or would you think in this situation that Marcus Brown is a better fighter than Joe Smith? I mean, maybe he is. Skill-wise, probably. But was he as tough? I think we would say no, right? We, we know Joe Smith has never been down until this fight in his career. But because of the kind of fighter Marcus Brown is, he was able to survive a lot longer than Joe Smith and the, the game plan he had. So there's so many factors that are involved in boxing more so than just, oh, he's a better fighter or he's like this, this guy, and he'll beat this. You, it, it's more than that. There's so many different factors. So you can't just say just because he beat Joe Smith the way he did that he would do the same to everyone else because it's obviously not been that way. Yeah, I have to agree. I have to agree. It's, it's obviously true. And like I say, you know, I, I pretty much said that. I said that, you know, just because he beat Joe Smith in that manner doesn't really mean too much. I mean, we saw, you know, this is a repeating thing that's gone on for years and years in boxing. Just like when Michael Bent knocked out Tommy Morrison for the heavyweight world title, it didn't necessarily mean that Michael Bent was this unbelievable fighter or he was the best in the division at all. So uh, I know, uh, you know, we're both on the same page with that. I just hope some people calm themselves down and realize that this win does not mean that he would beat Andre Ward. This win does not mean that he would walk through Canelo. Uh, and this win does not mean that he is clearly head and shoulders above Bivol. Styles make fights and freak things happen. Like I say, it had been over five and a half years since he last got a knockout this early. But anyways, that is the end of the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA and WBC Super Bantamweight World Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Brandon Figueroa. Brandon, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you for having me, having me once again. Hey, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, man. So, Brandon, we last spoke back in August of last year. It was just before uh, the Stephen Fulton fight. Let's discuss that fight briefly. Uh, you threw over a 1,000 punches on your own, but you didn't get the decision. How do you feel now? It's been some time, of course, since the fight. Yeah, you know, uh, 
you know, that fight I went out, out there with everything. Um, you know, it didn't come out as planned, <clears throat> but I felt like it was just something out of my power. You know, I did everything I could to, to make sure that I came out with the victory. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's boxing. You win some, you lose some. And, you know, I'm just happy to be able to fight again and do what I love. And, you know, the, the bounce back game, as I said, and I'm just so excited for July 9th here in San Antonio, Alamodome. And it's de- definitely going to be a, a great fight for me to show that, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready after this fight. I'm ready for a tighter shot at 126. Yeah, and I want to get to that in just a moment. Um, I wanted to ask, Brandon, if you'd had any time to watch that Fulton fight back. I mean, sometimes it's good after a few weeks when the emotions have calmed down a bit uh, to, to go back and maybe score the fight round by round and be harsh on yourself and score close rounds to Fulton in an attempt to try and understand how the judges came up with those scorecards. Have you done that or not? Yeah, yeah. You know, I watched the fight. You know, I seen I seen the fight. Um and yeah, you know, it, it was a really close fight. I'm not gonna lie, it was a really close fight. Um, you know, I saw it based on, you know, the boxing of it, the ability of boxing, and I saw it, you know, the way of uh putting pressure and and you know, so I saw it both ways. I saw the <clears throat> you know, he it was a close fight, you know, I saw where he landed some clean shots, uh where I landed, I put the pressure, I was I heard him four or five times. Uh, he didn't hurt me not once. He didn't back me up maybe at least once or twice uh, the whole fight. But even then, I mean, I, I learned a lot from that fight. I learned a lot and I grew a lot and I'm working towards to uh, bettering myself every time in the gym. Um, my last question on that, because uh, it is in the past now, it's last year, of course. Do you think that at 122, Stephen Fulton's the best fighter in the world? Um, I mean, who knows? He still needs to fight uh, the other unified champion. And once he does that, once he wins, then I would say, yeah, he he will be the the best 172-pounder. And obviously, it looks like we won't get the rematch uh, with you and Fulton, certainly not anytime soon. Obviously, you made this de- this decision to move up in weight uh, to-, to featherweight. You touched on it, 126. I spoke to your brother Omar on last week's show. He tells me that the best is yet to come from you. He really believes that. Um, is that true? Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, squeezing myself a lot and to make 122 you know i'm 5'9 um you know i'm 25 years old now back then it was so easy to make 122 as my body uh you know hadn't grown in into the man muscle that I, that i have now so yeah you know it, it was it was getting more and more difficult to make 122 as uh time passed you know i'm getting older i'm getting bigger uh um and I definitely felt the natural, you know, I just, I was just getting naturally big. And um, that's something that me and my team looked at. And, you know, I was starting to, you know, I've been making 122 ever since I was like 18, 17 years old. So, uh, you know, I've been sticking to that weight class for, I mean, almost seven years. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's time for me to move up a weight class and let my body, you know, uh, 
just growing to to its natural you know weight and i feel like 126 i'm gonna be even better stronger faster more explosive and definitely uh more relaxed because i don't have to kill my body to make 122 you know yeah and it's almost impossible to imagine you being more explosive and more you know uh, stronger and like wow i mean you at 122 i mean you were so exciting of course and the pressure non-stop pressure all the punches and you know obviously you were massive for the weight and i think you're probably going to be massive for 126 as well so it's exciting uh, you touched on it uh, july 9th san antonio alamo dome against carlos castro um i guess you're both coming off sole career defeats but it's a tough comeback fight for both of you really are you expecting this to be a tough fight brandon uh yeah you know i know he's no pushover uh despite his loss or whatever you know i know he's gonna come at 126 ready as i am and you know we both have a lot to prove so yeah i mean i feel like it's gonna be a great fight uh maybe it might even be fight of the night i mean who knows it just depends on how well he comes prepared because I'm coming at 110% and, you know, I'm coming to, to make a statement and, uh, yeah, sure. Everyone that, you know, um, that I belong in, in, in this world-class level and that I deserve a title shot. I want him six. And his only loss came on a split decision last time out to Lewis Neary, a man, you know, very well. I remember you beating the, bleep out of Lewis Neary um, but styles make fights of course I'm looking forward to this one how do you see it playing out yeah you know I feel like it's going to be a little bit more technical um, use my boxing ability uh, a little bit more um, mix in a little bit of, of getting on the inside working on the inside which I do so well but definitely more so uh, being a little bit more technical that's something that we've been working on in the gym a little bit more defense, a little ch- trying to be a little bit more slick and uh, yeah, be more patient, be more uh, technical. Yeah, no, I look forward to that. And as I said, we had Omar on the podcast last week. He has a big fight himself, July 23rd against Adrian Broner. Um, he seems to me, Brandon, that he's in a really good place. I mean, I was speaking to him. He sounded like a completely different person to the person I've spoken to in probably the last two or three years. How is he doing from your perspective? Yeah, you know, my brother struggles a lot with mental issues and just him coming back and, and dedicating, ded- putting himself in the sport once again and dedicating himself uh, to it, um, you know, it's amazing. You know, that's what boxing is all about, you know. Uh, you get knocked down, but you got to get back up two times, you know. That's what, that's to say because, you know, a lot of people don't think uh, being mentally healthy is, is important when it's the most important. In fact, uh, you know, you can go in the best shape ever physically but if you're mentally not right then all that goes out the window you got to be 100 percent mentally before you're 100 percent uh physically and that's something that a lot of boxers uh don't pay attention they think oh you know i've been training hard for two weeks uh but they're going through a lot of issues they're going through a lot of stuff you know it, it does play a big uh, uh you know it does take a toll and play a big part in you know, uh, not being 100%, you know? And that's what a lot of people are realizing nowadays is that mental issue is really important, especially in boxers, because boxers, they go through a lot. 
you know, they put their body through a lot, their mind through stress and, you know, having to cut weight, having to have everything ready before the fight. And that's what I feel like a lot of people don't understand. You know, they think that we're just machines that were just trained train and fight, train and fight, and think we have no humanity in us, but I feel like um, boxing is one of the sport, one of the hardest sports, especially nowadays that, that there's a lot of issues going around uh, the world and, and having to deal with everything outside of boxing and then having to deal with everything inside of boxing and having to, I guess, uh, make, make sense of everything and, and have control over everything and then go to the gym and, and, and you know, do what you got to do and kill your body, uh, come out of there real, real exhausted and, you know, having to deal with other stuff, you know, it, it, it does take a toll on you. What an incredibly powerful answer to my question. You're absolutely right. And uh, this is why I feel like boxers in particular should be respected hugely by fans of the sport. Even if they're not particularly fans of that boxer, I feel like every boxer should be uh, respected. That's why I don't like to disrespect any fighters at any level. Um, getting back onto your brother's fight, of course, there's a lot on the line for both guys. The loser is probably done, certainly at that level. Um, I said to Omar as well that I think Adrian Broner is probably the perfect name to help motivate him for this big comeback. Would you agree with that, Brandon? Yes, of course. I feel like this is a great fight for both of them, especially my brother. Um, uh, you know, their careers haven't been that great recently due to, you know, I'm pretty sure, like I said, mental issues. They both have been gone, gone through a lot. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you got to respect every boxer regardless if, if they're barely starting their pro debut or they have 100 fights to their belt. It's all about having the guts to go through a training camp and the guts to get inside the ring. That's the real, you know, uh, uh Thing, you know, to, to do as a boxer. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a great fight for both of them. Great comeback fight for 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 both of them. And I feel like it's, you know, both of them are going to try to make a statement. Both of them are going to try to, you know, really, 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 really leave their mark on this fight because I feel like it's really, really, really important for both of them. It absolutely is. And just finally, Brandon, before we wrap it up, if you've got any closing message, uh, particularly to your UK supporters, I know that a lot of guys stay up late every time you fight to watch the fight live. What's your closing message before we wrap it up, my man? Oh, man, it's just amazing, the, the immense support from the UK fans, from fans all over the world. It's just amazing. Um, you know, I'm just a small-town kid, and, you know, coming from, from basically fighting in local shows to fighting in the, in the MGM and televised fights. You know, it's just amazing that, that a lot of people get to see my talent, get to see my fights, and they love the way I fight. They love uh, uh, the fact that I come to fight, and that's that's what I'm all about. You know, I train, I train my ass off, and I make sure that I go 110% to give you guys, the fans, the supporters, the people that love boxing, that love fighting, to give you guys a great show and, and entertain you guys and show you uh, uh, guys that, you know, with hard work, I mean, you can reach anything. Um, you know, like I said, I'm just a small-town kid, and I've proven a lot of people wrong. And, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, if I get to inspire kids all over the world, that's my goal. That's my goal is, is to make sure that every kid uh, is disciplined, consistent, 
and and work hard for for what they want and if they really 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 love what they do if i mean it, it doesn't have to be boxing but in, in general if they love to draw if they love to you know uh, uh whatever the case is if they do it at a, at 100 with love and passion and discipline and consistency then they can reach anything there we go full of positive vibes as always the heartbreaker is back ladies and gentlemen brandon it's always an honor speaking with you thank you for your time best of luck july 9th and we'll catch up sometime after i'm sure thank you joey so much thank you Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Quite a lot to go over here. It's finally been announced. Usyk Joshua, the rematch, is going to be taking place in Saudi Arabia. The date for that, of course, is August 20th. I think a lot of people pretty much knew that. Anyway, it's going down in Jeddah. So, yeah, that one, uh, it's good to finally see it penciled in officially. Um, Also, Mark Magseo, the WBC featherweight world champion, the guy that just dethroned Gary Russell Jr., he will be having his first defense when he gets in there with Mexican former uh, world champion uh, Ray Vargas. That one goes down uh, Saturday, July 9th at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. We just spoke to Brandon Figueroa. He's on that undercard. Um, in other news, we will see a fight between former unified heavyweight world champion Andy Ruiz Jr. and top contender, the Cuban Luis Ortiz. That one will be going down on pay-per-view, by the way. Can you believe it? On Fox Sports pay-per-view September 4th during Labor Day weekend. That's going to be at the Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles. Um, on the undercard as well, we're going to see Isaac Cruz getting in there with Eduardo Ramirez. We're also going to see uh, Miguel Flores uh, getting in with Abner Mares, Miguel Flores, friend of the show, shout out to him, um, and a few other little fights there. Um, and in other news, I think it's finally been announced the arena for Canelo Triple G. That trilogy will be at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Another piece of news that a lot of people pretty much knew. That's going to be September 17th. It's unbelievable how quick this year is going by. Um, that's it, though, for the news. We're going to move now to the preview part of the show. And we're going to start here with a card that takes place later today at the Montreal Casino in Quebec, Canada. Over here, uh, good fighter Yves Ulysse Jr., 20-2 and two in an eight-rounder against Raquin Connor Facundo Arce, who is 14-6 with two draws. Uh, we're also going to see... Uh, the main event is pretty much the one that interests me the most. The undefeated 27-0 Eric Bazinian. It's a 10-round fight, and I haven't actually heard of this guy up until I've seen his name here. So I was kind of doing a little bit of homework on the guy. Um, it hasn't really boxed anyone of note just yet. But I am intrigued with this fight because I really like the, the matchup, I think, is quite interesting. He gets in with Marcelo Esteban Coceres. That's the guy who's 30-3 and free with a draw. In his last fight, he was able to lose on points but actually drop Edgar Balanga, which I'm sure we will all remember quite vividly. And he also got stopped in round 11 against Billy Joe Saunders in a fight. He was really, really pushing Billy Joe and even on one card was actually leading um, in that 11th round, which is crazy. He was going on to possibly beat Billy Joe Saunders and take his before Canelo eventually did. Um, 
so yeah, that's quite a stiff test, I guess, there for this undefeated 27. I know Eric Bazinian, who's got 21 KOs as well from Armenia, but based and living now in Canada. Um, and Coseras, like I say, tough guy, tough Argentinian, should provide a tough test there. We're going to find something out for sure. Moving out now to the Sky Dome in Coventry. Um, it says that this fight card is on Sky. I'm very surprised if that's the case, actually. Wow. Um, wow, okay, that's interesting. On the undercard, we've got one half of the Irish duo, um, Aaron McKenna, 14-0, and 0, no opponent just yet for him. Casey Benjamin, 15-1 and 1 with a draw, no opponent yet for him. Karis Artingstall, who is um, a Olympian from 2020, she makes her pro debut. She's the girlfriend and partner of um, Lauren Price, who who uh, debuted, I think, last week. Not last weekend. I think it was the weekend before that. Um, so, yeah, she has her pro pro debut, and I believe she's getting in with a female called Veda Masio-Kate, who's only been stopped, I think, once in 15 or 16 losses, and it was to Chantel Cameron. So, man, if I see good odds there for Karis Artingstall to win on points, I'm going to be all over that one. Elsewhere on the card, we have prospect Adam Azim, 4-0, um, in an eight rounder, no opponent just yet, and also we're going to see River Wilson bent twelve and zero with a draw in a ten rounder against Tyler Denny, who's thirteen and two with three draws for the vacant English middleweight title. I think both guys are not really punchers. I think that's got distance written all over it there. Um, River Wilson bent obviously the undefeated guy, but I think a lot of people are actually riding with Tyler Denny, and I think he's the slight underdog as well. And the main event friend of the show, Sam Eggington, thirty-one and seven in a twelve round against Prism Slaw I'm not even sure how I'd pronounce his surname I'm going to say Zisk who's actually 18 and 0 the problem is no one really knows how good this guy is he's a little bit of an unknown quantity to be totally honest as I say undefeated 18 and 0 it's over 12 rounds the guy's got 6 KOs so not a big puncher uh, 30 years of age from Poland 6 foot tall you look down the resume, not many uh, names that stand out. I think we'd probably have to side with Eggington to win the fight, but with the bookies, it's quite close. He's not a massive favourite there for the uh, vacant IBO World Super Welterweight title. And now the final card to mention, it takes place at the Port Arena in San Antonio, Texas. It's on Saturday night live on the zone. It's a really good card. Um, we've got Nikita Abarbe, white chocolate, eleven and zero in an eight rounder against Noe Larios Jr., who's fourteen and one. We've got. Uh, a guy that some people say is the best prospect in world boxing, Raymond Ford, 11-0 with a draw, fighting for the WBA Continental Continental Americas and IBF North American featherweight titles against the fellow undefeated Richard Medina, who's 13-0. That's over 10 there. Friend of the show, Jessica McCaskill, 11-2 in a 10-2-minute round contest, defending her undisputed um, welterweight titles, the WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO, and IBO against Alma Ibarra, who's 10-1. All the best there to Jessica McCaskill. Uh, Murajon Akhmadaliev, the guy that holds two of the super bantamweight world titles, the other two that Stephen Fulton doesn't have. This guy has these two, uh, the WBA and IBF world super bantamweight titles. He gets in with Ronnie Rios as well, who... Um, 
33 and 3 these days from California, but I think it's probably a step too far at this point. His two losses, or three losses, sorry, came to Ray Vargas, Azat Hovanesian, and Robinson Castellanos. Um, he's got a few wins, you know, decent-ish wins in between. Of course, I guess his claim to fame in recent times was taking the O away from Diego De La Hoya when he stopped him in round six. Since then, he's backed up uh, another another couple of wins, including one against Oscar Negrete, so I guess that's quite a good one because he beat him in very clear fashion. So it should be quite a decent test for Akhmedaliev, but Akhmedaliev is extremely good, so I'm expecting him to come for it um, probably on points, to be honest, I think. I don't know, maybe you might even stop him late, we'll see. And another fantastic fight on this card, um, Jesse Bam Rodriguez, I think he's going by Jesse Rodriguez Franco these days, uh, the young little phenom, I think he's, what's he, the youngest world champion I believe in boxing, obviously um, last time out became world champion beating Carlos Cuadras. Uh, unanimously over 12, he gets in, and I think he moved up in weight as well for that for that um, fight, if I'm not mistaken. He gets in with Wisaksel Wangek, also known as Sarisaket Saw Rungvisai, the man that was able to uh, to knock out Chocolatito Gonzalez uh, back in 2017 now, when, when they had the, the two back-to-back fights, when the first one was really close, and then he rematched him, knocked him out. Uh, since then, he's put together some good wins. He lost, obviously, to Estrada in a really, really close fight. Um, so, yeah, and he beat him as well since knocking out uh, Chocolatito. They had two fights since then. They're very, very closely matched. So, yeah, he's 50-5 and five with a draw, 43 KOs, and he gets in with Jesse Bam Rodriguez, like I say, 15-0, and 0, 10 KOs. It's going to be a really, really, really good fight. Um, I'm quite surprised to see Franco this big of a favourite. Obviously, it's not his suited weight class just yet. Um, and obviously, Wangek has got so much experience and he's such a big puncher. The only thing is, he's been out the ring for 15 months and we know that in that time that Jesse Bam Rodriguez has been very active and he's been... Uh, you know, impressing every time, um, you know, especially last time against Quadras, like I say, moved up in weight, short notice, he looked unbelievable, he had Quadras down, which a lot of people don't manage to do, um, and I thought he might at one point get the stoppage, but obviously it didn't come, so um, yeah, it's a great fight, um, I can see uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez winning on points, I can see him maybe, maybe even stopping Wangek, but at the same time, I can certainly see Wangek stopping him, so I just really admire the bravery of Franco, who, uh, or, or Rodriguez, whatever we're going to call him, to, to go into this fight here, because I don't think he really needed it, it's, um, it's for the WBC uh, Super Flyweight World title, which he uh, holds that title, so he's given a real uh, tough. He's given a real tough defense here against Wangek, and it wasn't really in the plans. I think he moved up in weight um, initially just to have that one fight against Quadras because Quadras had lost his opponent, and the plan was to move back down. But because he won a world title and felt really good at the weight, he's decided to stay there, and he gets in with arguably, I mean, one of certainly top two or three in the world at that weight. So. I applaud him. It's, it's a massive, massive uh, risk. There's a lot on the line for him, and um, that's why a lot of people are really loving what he's doing at the minute. He's bringing a lot of excitement to those lower divisions, so I'm a big fan of his, and I wish him all the best. But that wraps up part two. In part one, we did the review part. We welcomed our special guest, Brandon Figueroa. In part two, I have just run through the news as quick as I could have done, and I've gone through the preview part of the show. So there's good fights on on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, so make sure you tune in 
in for as much as you can. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a couple seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 349 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to this week's special guest, the former WBA and WBC Super Bantamweight World Champion, Mr. Brandon Figueroa. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in week after week. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.